You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. You got your Bible, show me to Genesis chapter 19. I'm just going to flow as I flowed with the first service and pray the Holy Spirit anoints me to minister what I'm ministering this, this morning. May it flow freely. May you grab a hold of it. May every heart be open and receptive. Obviously, it's Father's Day, so I'm going to be dealing strongly with the dads. If you're a dad in here, shout amen. amen. If you're going to be a dad in here, shout amen. Or possibly a girl. Get it? A man or a girl, because you might have a man or a girl. My wife's like, I don't get it. You're, are you saying that they could be a girl? No. God made two, two, two genders. Amen. So, if you're going to be a dad or you, or you are a dad, I'm going to be speaking heavily to you today. If you're a mom or you're going to be a mom, I'll speak to you today too. But Genesis chapter 19, if you found it, you're going to recognize this scripture most likely. Genesis 19 verse 1 says that that evening two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them, and he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guest for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Now, we know scripturally these are two angels that actually visited the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, no, they replied, we'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted, so at last they went home with him, and Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. Scripture. So Lot stepped outside to talk with them. Shutting the door behind him, he said, please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone, for they are guests and are under my protection. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider, and now he's acting like our judge. We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged towards Lot to break down the door. But the two angels reached out and pulled Lot into the house and bolted the door. They then blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house so that they gave up trying to get inside. Stop right there. When you read that, is that not one of the most horrifying things you've ever read? How perverse, how wicked, how nasty do you have to get where, imagine that, and I know we'll we'll hit it, even if you take the homosexuality side out of this, and let's just say these angels appeared as women and the men of the town still came to his house, busting at the door saying, put these women out here. We're going to basically have our way with them all night long. That is beyond disgusting. And that's why God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. The wickedness and the perverseness is so intense in this city that I will make this city disappear. And to this day, you can't find Sodom and Gomorrah anywhere on the map because God eradicated it and dealt with this. I want to remind you of something of this. This is not a Bible story to teach you morals. This is a historical fact. Sodom and Gomorrah existed. Those people existed. They were men and women just like we are men and women. And in their time, even before internet and even before Hollywood, they got so perverse 
and opened so much doors to the enemy that their society literally collapsed. You even study history of Rome and some of the great empires. That's how they fail. They fail because when you open the door to perversion and wickedness, ultimately that will collapse your house. The enemy cannot produce success. He only produces death and destruction. The only way to success and to the goodness is through the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Amen. Historically, these people were so perverse Imagine that. Imagine even Lot. Why the whole story? I'll put my virgin daughters outside. Heck no. I'll uh, I see myself more like Scarface. You know what I'm saying? Like that. I, this is where I'm going out. This is it. This is the OK Corral moment. Say hello to my little friend. You're not coming in here. Thank God, angels struck them blind. Imagine if the angels, imagine if the power of God wasn't present to protect what you would have read, what would have happened. It's wickedness. It's perversion. How in the world did Sodom and Gomorrah get to such a perversity that they allowed this? That the Bible says all the men, young and old, surrounded the house. Imagine that perversion level. What happened? How did they get there? And scripture actually tells you how Sodom got there. If you've ever read in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel prophesied by the spirit of the Lord and revealed to us how Sodom got so perverse. If you've got your Bible, turn to Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. The prophet under the unction of the Holy Spirit explaining to the Israelites why God destroyed Sodom said clearly, Sodom's sins were pride gluttony, laziness, while the poor and the needy suffered outside her door, which is greed, she was proud and committed detestable sins, so I wiped her out as you have seen. So the Lord eradicated them because the sin that they opened their lives to ultimately took them over in such a capacity that they were perverse and only thought perverse thoughts and God eradicated them. Now you read that it doesn't say homosexuality. It doesn't say lust. It says that the door, the first door open, which if you even read scripture, the very first sin, the offense against God was pride. It was when Satan was so proud within himself that he wanted to exalt himself above the Lord and be worshiped in his place. You can read where man always yields to the spirit of pride throughout centuries and tries to loft themselves above the hand of God. The Tower of Babel was the biblical first story of trying to form a one world government where man was in control, man dominated, and man exalted himself above God. And it was a sin and a reproach to the Lord, so he caused division, spread them out, and gave them new languages. The enemy understands this. Revelation chapter 13 tells us that in the last days, the plan is to tear down every government entity until there remains only one entity. And one entity produces what the, the devil wants is that he can put his antichrist spirit in body form as a ruler that he empowers to finally be worshipped across the world. That's the plan. That destruction comes to pass by tearing down every government that is strong in its path. I'm saying this because prophetically you have to understand. Why is America turning so vastly to perversity? 
Why are other nations gasping at the wickedness that we allow on our streets and look at the perversion going on? There are countries that literally sanction their TV to not play what America allows to be played all the time. Why? Because if American could fall, if this nation could be torn down, if the same plan of hell that worked for Sodom and Gomorrah worked for this nation, if America goes, so goes the nations of the world, and in comes the final one world government. But over my dead body, will that ever be allowed? Because the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that when the enemy comes like a flood... God will raise up a standard against that flood. That standard is a man and a woman of righteousness. How did, it, how did Sodom fall? Because the men were perverse and not righteous men. But I'm telling you that God is raising up men in this land that are full of power, full of righteousness, full of holiness, that are not going to allow the wicked things of this world to perpetrate into their households. Come on, somebody. You want to see a strong church? It begins at a strong home. Is your house a place where God resides? Or do you come to church seeking a reprieve from the world that you live in every other day? Or is your house a place where the Spirit of the Lord rests in that place? Come on, are you a standard, men? Today, like I said, I'm talking to the men. You have got to be a standard against the enemy's plan in this hour. Many years ago, I was in Washington, D.C. doing ministry, and I said in the first service, I'll say it again, probably the only city other than Claremont and the Florida region that we have done more, like a a lot of ministry is Washington, D.C., the greater Washington, D.C. region. We've been all over it. I mean, probably spent upwards of a year of our life, if you calculate all the times that we have ministered in that region, ministering to our nation's core. And let me tell you, D.C. is a different entity altogether. And many years ago, um, actually 2015, I met an African-American bishop, had a large church there. And we were talking in the back room and he was explaining to me. And the move of God in the 80s and the 90s that they experienced in their church was so supernatural. He said, man, I I can't tell you it other than there was just this uh, a birthing of the fire and the presence of the Lord in the African-American churches where our services would just go hours, three, four, five, six hours long, worship the presence of the Lord would saturate the place. People would flock to the altars. It was like people coming off of the streets, people coming off of the hardest of lives would come into the church and just flock to the altar. He said it would get to the point Towards the height of it, he said that there were firearms literally being placed on the altar, that there was bags of drugs, that there was this. He said with the firearms, we had to start working with the local police, and every firearm given, we had to turn them over because they could have been used in a, in a crime. And sometimes they had to connect who gave it, and that person had to do time. But he said it was crazy. He said kids even knew it. And it was like they put it down there. They were done with that life. And they were done with the running. And they were so desperate for God to touch them. They were laying down their lives. And these people were getting radically saved. They were getting set free. Drugs coming out. Addictions being broken. Coming out of the streets. And they were entering into the church world on fire for God. But, he said... What happened was, as these young guys flocking in from gangs and life on the street, and they give up the guns and they give up the drugs and they're, they're in the church world and they're serving the Lord. He said, none of them had a dad that was present in their life. 
The house was divided. They didn't know how to be a father. They didn't know how to parent. And they came in. The girls found them attractive. Before long, I had all these now, a new generation of moms giving birth and the dads fleeing because they didn't know how to handle the responsibility. So he said, I went from an explosion of a church to now I was trying to raise a fatherless generation. Because if the dad is not present, that's where every demonic assignment can come against a child. Identity comes from a mom and a dad being over the kid. Now, I understand some people die. I understand these things. But that's where God creates a community of people that these these roles can be present in a life. God knows and the enemy knows that the way to take out a society is to take out the nuclear family. If dad can become weak, if dad can compromise, if dad can open up every door to hell, then he can reach the kids and he can reach the spouse. But if dad stands in his household as a priest and a king and says, in this house, the presence of the Lord is what matters, then guess what? The enemy can huff and puff like the story of the three little pigs. He can do everything he wants to do, but he cannot knock down a righteous home. It's impossible. Every devil of hell could come against a righteous home, but it will not take them out because there is a power on the inside of the church that comes from God Almighty. The first sin was pride. Men, for the spirit of, or the sin of pride, God gives you a spirit of humility to humble yourself. You know, the Bible actually says that it's the fear of the Lord that ultimately leads to promotion and wealth. That is, if a man would fear the Lord and reverence God and humble himself under the hand of God, then in due season, God would exalt that man. But it's hard for a man to get this because we have an ego, don't we? And if a man's ego gets damaged, then a man just tries to throw up his hands and find something else to do. So many men come into the church and they are spiritually naive or spiritually immature compared to their wives. And so when their wife knows better the word, the man throws up his hands and says, then you lead the home. But now your home is out of order because, man, you're the priest of the house. And I'm not saying this to belittle the role of the woman. I'm saying it to uphold the biblical value that God has demonstrated in the church. The man is meant to be the head where we understand God's voice, where we plead and pray to heaven, where we stand as a guard over our household and we humble ourselves and stay surrendered to him so that our arrogant, cocky mind doesn't destroy our household. And you've got to stand on this, men. Pride is the biggest sin still destroying the church today. Why is America falling faster than India? Because America is more proud than India. We have our wealth. It's Revelations chapter 3. Do we not say within ourselves that we're wealthy and we have our homes and we have our clothes and we have all that we need when the Spirit of the Lord says, Know you not that you're naked, you're wretched, and you're poor. Because you, I would that you be hot. Or even cold. But you're worse than all of that. You're lukewarm. You act righteous. You act like you've got it. But you are far from me. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are so far, you don't even know my unctions or my leadings. God is calling the men to righteousness. Come on, somebody. A righteous man protects his household, protects his kids, And stands, and let me tell you, it takes humility. It takes humility to realize I need help as a man. 
Lord, surround me with counsel to teach me how to govern my household. Lord, speak into my life. Do you know that pride cuts you off from all spiritual growth? Because the Bible actually says, God says, I will, I will chastise those that I love. There's a lot of men walking around that never have a revelation of the love of God because they're too proud to allow God to break things off. That's why you look in worship, women will worship deep and men will look at their phones and check football scores. Men are more focused on I'd rather go fishing than I would to be in the house of the Lord. And it's a problem in America. That's where you can see women's conferences in America draw thousands and men's draw 300. Why? Because the men are too busy. You know, we'll get there. My wife will figure out all that word stuff. Take, hey, babe, put in a word with the old man for me too. I'm going fishing. I'm going hunting. I'm going this. I'm going that. And you don't even realize how many doors you've allowed opened up because you're not standing in a role as a man that understands my hand is on the plow. Come on. You know how David fell in lust? The scripture says, at the time when the men went to war, he was staying home. Come on, men. You're called to fight a spiritual battle. You open the door to the enemy when you grow lazy. And that's the next thing. It spoke about laziness. For the spirit of laziness, God gives you a spirit of discipline, hard work, placing your hand to a plow. Men, your wife should not be the one stressing over how to take care of the household. And I'm not trying to be some old archaic role. I'm Like I said, I'm upholding the Bible values. Not that women can't work. I always said over my wife, I prophesied, you'll be my sugar mama. And one day, I'm going to be like Dave Meyer sitting on the front row cheering on my joys. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's our goal. We're, we're working towards that. So ladies, don't ever think, I ain't cheering you on. I'm like prophesying every time we go out to eat. I always tell people, she's my sugar mama. She's got all the money. People always look at us funny and she's like, it's our money. She's always embarrassed. I'm like, hey, she earns it. Amen. Taking care of me, she earns it all. Amen. She needs a pay raise, let me tell you. Come on. (laughs) But you shouldn't be lazy. You look at every generation for the last several generations. They get lazier and lazier. More and more entitlement given to them. I should just, everything should be given to me. Nothing should be given to you. Everything should be earned. It's what you place your hand to that prospers. Not what someone else places their hand to you have a right to take. That's communism. That's the spirit of hell. Communism is a demonic spirit because it comes from that place of just take from those that are producing. No. The Bible said actually those that didn't produce, he would take from those that don't produce and he would give more to those that are producing. Amen? Men, it's getting quiet in this church today. Eight guys pulled out their phones and they're scared to make eye contact right now. Just look at me, smile and say amen and I'll think you're right there with me. Amen, brother. That's what I've been saying to my wife. Yeah. By God. Hallelujah. shouldn't be lazy. Laziness, the Bible says in Proverbs over and over again that a lazy person doesn't work when it's time to work. And so when the winter comes, they have no food. The Bible says that a man, a man that doesn't provide for his household is worse or has lost the true faith and is worse than an infidel. 
There's a biblical responsibility to the man of the house, not that we're supposed to earn more, but we're supposed to be the one to take that brunt and that weight, to take care of our household. Amen? Don't be lazy. Don't give yourself to a lazy spirit. And that's not just going to work. That's when you get home. Don't be lazy when you get home. Be present in the household. Be present with what's going on. Be present to put in the time reading the word and studying and growing spiritually and developing yourself. Put in the time when it comes. Don't be lazy when it comes to prayer. Spending time with the Lord. Don't grow lazy in these things just because you feel it doesn't matter. Stay steadfast. Come on, somebody. And then it talked about a spirit of, or a sin of gluttony. A sin of gluttony. That, that's, a, that's like a multi-layers I could talk about this, you know, where ultimately, obviously, it's in the eating. You know, you've got to take care of your temple. Men, don't grow lazy in taking care of your temple. Years ago, 2020, I met Kenneth Copeland. And he works out. He's 86 years old. He's a great man of God. Been in long history in the, in the ministry. Done many great things. God has given him great success. Most of his family's in the ministry. We're eating lunch together. And he rent, leans over and grabs my arm and says, do you work out? I said, yeah, I do. And he said, well, grab my arm. So I grabbed his arm. This is what men do, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I've never, actually, had never been groped by an old man until that day. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. And he said, I said, he had muscles, 86 years old. The guy had muscles. I said, what do you do? He said, I work out six days a week. But it's how he said this to me that really impacted me. He looked at me and he said, you know, Caleb, if a man believes that he has purpose from God, which how many men believe you have a purpose? That's whole, the whole message I'm talking today is you have a purpose in your household. And maybe the purpose isn't I'm going to be a prophet to the nations. I'm going to be the next Bill Gates. But I have a purpose to be over my house, to let my kids and my spouse be protected by the relationship and the covering I allow in the house by humbling myself under the hand of God so that I produce something in my generation that needs to be produced desperately right now. I have a purpose. And if a man believes he has a purpose, how many people have a purpose? Raise your hand again. Wave them at me. You have a purpose. Wave them. Come on. I have purpose to my life. God did not make anybody without purpose. So you got to believe that. And if you believe there's a purpose attached to your being here, then you have an obligation to the Holy Spirit to take care of your temple so as to not hinder what God wants to do. Amen? Amen. On that note, there will be donuts after the service. You can always start tomorrow. That's my slogan. Amen. <laughs> we only bought enough donuts for half the men to eat one because we wanted to see the righteous. Ver no, I'm just joking. <laughs> start tomorrow. Today's the day of rest, so we can do, you know, I'm resting in the promises of the Lord. Amen. It's not what a man takes into his mouth that defiles him, it's what comes out of him. Amen. So when I eat the donut, I'll hold it down. I won't allow it to come back out. <laughs> Be the righteous standard. Now, the sin of gluttony, like I said, not taking care of yourself. You know, the script, Bible really lays out for us 
the, the, the carnality of man. We all have a carnal side. That's the side that gets angry. That's the side that, you know, that, that's the side that our egos res, uh, exist in. That's the side where lust, these things dwell within a person. And it's not just a man that has them. A woman has them too. There's a carnality of every person. And the Bible talks about through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to empower you, to fill you with a brand new life, so that you can basically take dominion over your own carnality. Right? What that really translates, it's almost like you have to parent your own flesh. Just as you tell your kids, you do the dishes, pick that up, clean, put your bed back together. What is that? Wash your hair, wear deodorant. You're parenting your kid. Some wives have to parent their husbands, and this whole message is meant to rise you to that so your wife doesn't have to parent you. Amen? Put deodorant on men. That's not one of the particular sins spoken of, but we'll say it could destroy good things. Amen? A man that stinks possibly stinks in other things too. Okay. Caleb's Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. Stink affects all areas. Stink is no respecter of areas of life. When stink is allowed in one area, stink gets into all areas. Notice if you fart in the bedroom, it carries into. People are looking at me horrified and other people are like, yeah, that's right. Ah, this, you're speaking my language. Huh. Revelation's flowing. <laughs> Some people to walk out of here and that's all they got. Let me tell you, what I got from the message is don't live your life like a fart. Because if you live like a fart, everything's out of line. <laughs> Stay away from dairy because that's where it comes. No, I'm just joking. So you have to parent your flesh. You actually have to speak to yourself and deal with yourself, man. You have to deal with your carnality. You will get up. You will put in the work. You will put that down. You won't eat that every single day. You're gonna take care of yourself lest you wind up destroying your temple, cutting your timeline short, and then your wife and your kids, where are you? And I'm not trying to pick on anybody if you feel like you've got a lot of health problems. My message is not meant to put anybody down. My message is to call you to a place of you have a responsibility. And if God put me on a race to run it, let me run my race as long as I can. So let me try and take care of this. Let me try and dominate my carnality through the spirit. If God gave me a spirit of self-control, yes, that self-control gives me the power over sin over addiction, but also over laziness and gluttony. These sins, how did Sodom get so perverse? Well, basically, you get perverse if you always yield to your flesh. Your flesh is never satisfied and always wants more and always takes more. And if you develop in your life that the flesh always gets its way, if your mindset of temptation is the best way to deal with it is to yield to it, then you will find out that your flesh is connected to hell and hell will take, 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 and take. And before you realize it, you'll already be too far gone and that's where you don't wanna be. Men, 
change your life, change the lives of those in your family. It's that, it's that simple. The sin of gluttony. You know, I went to Oral Roberts University. Oral Roberts was a man that actually was sick on his deathbed as a teenager. God supernaturally healed the man, brought him up, told him that I'm going to send you around to the darkest corners of the world to bring my light, the light of my gospel, and my healing power will flow from your ministry and you'll see miracles. When he started Oral Roberts University, the praying hands that exist right outside the entrance gate that are, that are like the largest bronze praying hands in the world to this day have the scripture of Luke chapter 2, verse 52, how Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, physical stature, before God and before men. And so he wrote that because the Holy Spirit told him when he started the university, he was praying and said, what do you want me to start the university? What's the, what is, the, what is the, the base of it? And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to develop men and women with strong bodies and strong minds and strong spirits. So when you went to Oral Roberts University, we, every student there had to run Several miles a day. I said six, but I don't remember. How many miles do we have to run? It was so long. You know what I'm saying? Like running has never been my friend. Like the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen. So I stand my ground and I'm righteous. Amen. But you had to run. And so all this, you had to do sit-ups. You had to do pull-ups. And let me tell you, some people, though they were brilliant, flunked out of college at Oral Roberts because of the physical requirements. They couldn't rise to the occasion, so they dropped out. They quit. They can't run. They, can't, they won't do sit-ups. They won't put in the work. Every single semester at ORU, you had to have an elective that was physically based, whether you were doing fencing, basketball, exercise, rowing, whatever you signed up for, every semester you were supposed to be exercising because the Holy Spirit told Oral Roberts, strong bodies, strong minds, and strong spirits. Because if you believe, like I said, God wants to do something in your life or your life has a purpose, then why would you not take care of the body that God has given you and let the temple be as strong as it can be? I have a house. If my roof came off of my house, I would not say, oh, well, let's just make do with it. I would get my house fixed. This is your house. Take care of your house, men. Amen. And maybe this is a wake-up call to some people, but take care of the temple that God has given you. If you've been putting off exercise and redeveloping your eating plan for another rainy day, guess what? It's going to rain this week every day. <laughs> I checked the forecast. It starts now. Amen. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Because if you don't, sickness, weakness, actually winds up opening the door to all sorts of things. Man loses confidence. Confidence drains. His ego's gone. He treats his wife like garbage, not because she's garbage, but because he thinks of himself as garbage. Then his wife's left looking for some emotional connection in the world, finds it in another person that's finally kind to her. Now the whole house is divided because you allowed laziness in. And I guess this is probably not maybe what you're expecting. But I love you, and I believe that you should take care of yourself. Third John 2, beloved, I, be I pray above all things that you would be healthy in your body and strong in spirit. Amen? Amen. Sin of laziness as I hit, be diligent. 
that God gave you a spirit of diligence. So back on this note, laziness is where a person sits back always adopting the mentality that something is owed to them. That God owes me forgiveness. God doesn't owe you forgiveness. That's why the Bible says to work out your, your salvation in fear and trembling, not because you're paying for it, but because it's freely given to you. Now you're letting the work do a work on the inside of you. And you're being diligent to, to, to process and to grow and to grow spiritually and to take the word in and to develop that and build yourself strong in character in your life and in your house so that people look at you and know that you're not a lazy person. Study to show yourself approved, the Bible says. You're supposed to study the word of God and actually excel and grow and mature in all aspects. Come on. So it's physical laziness and it's spiritual laziness. That ultimately, Sodom and Gomorrah were perverse because the men were not being the standard that they're meant to be. You're called to holiness. Come on, somebody. You're called to righteousness. You're called to be the priest and the king of the home, which means that in time of war, you go to war. I war on behalf of my family. My daughter did not find some guy at a bar. He doesn't have addiction problems. He's not loose and running around because she was raised in a household where the dad put God first. My daughter found her husband under the unction of the Holy Ghost. And I praise God for that. Amen. You lead by example. The, the, the people are always watching you. The question is, do you even realize what you're showing them? They're watching every aspect. The world watches the righteous. Your children watch your moves. Pe children will do what you do, not what you say. So are you leading by example? Men, be strong. Be a man. Let your family see you as a protector. Right? Let them feel confident. And you and your role. Let them hear wisdom flow from your lips concerning the word of God. Even if your wife has been saved 25 years longer than you, get in the word, develop the word, and grow spiritually. Amen. And begin to lead your family. Even if all you know to lead them is you don't know scripture as much as her, you can yield and submit and let hunger drive your family forward. Where they, you lead by hunger in the household. She may know the word, but I'm the one hungry for his presence. So I'm the one that's pressing into God, and I will press into God all my life. And then you lead your family in that capacity. That marks a generation, and the enemy hates that. The enemy hates strong families. That's why everything is centered to tear down the household. But it will not fall down if Christ is the center of your life. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.